Welcome to Solo Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your solo cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Solo Cleaning School podcast. Scope creep. Oh, this is something that I'm looking forward to talking to you about. But before I dive into that specific topic, we are going to go back into my own personal solo cleaning business. Let me bring you on a journey as we continue this saga. So this week started with content batching. Batching, if you don't know, is an optimizer's tool in my optimizer's toolbox in the ISO model. Batching is not mine. I didn't invent it, nor did I create it, but I do utilize it. Here's what batching is. Every month, I create blogs, podcasts, and videos for Carfagno Cleaning and the Solo Cleaning School. It takes a ton of time. I'm glad that you like these shows, but they take me a long time to do every week. So I used batching in my cleaning business and in other areas of business over the years. What it means is you can break down any process in three parts. The setup, the actual product or service, and then the breakdown. So with cleaning a home, it's the driving to the house, setting up your gear, cleaning the house is that second part, and then the final part is breaking down your gear, putting it back in the car, going home, etc. So you can do one house a day and do all three parts every day. Get up in the morning, get dressed, get ready for work, drive to work, Break down, get your products ready, go clean the first house, break down, drive home, take a shower, be with your family. Or you can batch some of those breakdowns and setups by having three houses on one day and two houses on another. So you only have to do the getting ready for work once and the getting the lunch ready once and the driving really once. Now you have to drive between houses. But you'll notice if you do it that way, you will save time overall. Whereas you might take, let's say, five days by four hours for one house, 20 hours in a week, versus doing them in two days, you might only take, let's say, 10 hours for the one day and six hours for the other. So that's 16 hours. So it's possible, very possible, you can save yourself four hours of time by batching. And you can do this in so many areas. I'm doing it for my content. So when Teresa's mom recently said she was available to watch our kids for an overnight, out the door mom and dad went. We jumped on the opportunity, grabbed a hotel for the night not far from our house, had a nice breakfast, and then checked into a hotel. I had all of my podcast recording gear with me, I had all of my notes, and I dug in at the desk in the hotel and I worked. And Teresa dug in with things that she wanted to accomplish, and she worked. We just batched work for hours on end. And we took a break to eat. We took a break to watch some movies at night, got up in the morning, had some breakfast, did it all over again. It was amazing. I got so much work done. We checked out of that hotel, 
I then went to my friend Vanessa Hopkins's office building. Now, I know Vanessa through my MCBA meeting, and she owns H3 Business Services, where she teaches SAT prep and all kinds of tutoring and academic-related. Learn, excel, exceed, I believe is her motto. So she's a good friend, and she's got a great office that she rents out. So I jumped on the opportunity there, grabbed the office for that following day, and over those two days, I was able to knock out all of my content, which honestly, solo cleaners, most of this stuff won't apply to you. Of my 18, 19 hours, I locked myself in an office environment to do this work. About three to four hours of it was cleaning related. What was cleaning related? Well, it's my website. It's my Google My Business and the post. It's my twice per month newsletter for cleaning. It's Facebook posts to the business page. It might be following up with a couple leads, but essentially it was just banging out that content. The rest of it was my podcast, my solo cleaning school YouTube channel, and other things I'm doing there. But I tell you what, it felt great when I finished that night. I left this office. I came home, handed all of my files to my son, Kenny. He's fully trained on editing my podcast, editing my YouTube videos, and uploading to the YouTube channel, updating my MailChimp newsletters. He does all that back-end stuff. I'm so thankful. And of course, I pay him for it. He doesn't do it for free. He does charge me, and I would not have it any other way. By the way, that's a write-off. I can pay him that because it's a business expense. So this first update for the week, it's something different. You haven't heard me talk about the content that I create. And I've been doing it week to week, but the problem that I've been facing is I have a podcast coming out Thursday morning, and it could be Wednesday afternoon, and it's not recorded or edited. Oh, no, that is not a good feeling. Sometimes I would get ahead and pass two episodes to my son. Then he would upload them after he edited them, and I would buy myself a couple days before I had to record again. But I'd be using up entire days. And the batching, here's what I noticed, how batching helped me in this arena of podcast recording. Watch this. When I was recording in the office, back to back to back, not only was I able to get so much farther ahead for the month and free up time at home after my content batching, but the actual recordings themselves were faster and more efficient with words. Here's what I mean. I would record seven or eight podcasts, I believe, in Vanessa's office. They took me an average of 30 minutes apiece to record them, and I was concise. I noticed the first one took me maybe 40 minutes, and then they went down 35, 30, 26, and it bounced around, but it did reach a place where I was just boom, 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 knocking them out. Then I had to do a few more at home the next day when I didn't have the office rented anymore. I had, I believe, two of them to record, and they each took me over an hour. I was getting frustrated. There was noises I was dealing with, cars passing by, Mack trucks, I mean, everything, the kids making noises, me messing up. I lost a lot of that focus. And yes, it took me longer, 
But even the part that I said, my words themselves, I was taking longer to say the same things. I wasn't as concise. It wasn't as good of an episode. So to all of you listeners of the Solo Cleaning School, I apologize for any of my episodes that I talk too much. If you're ever listening and you say, Ken, that was a great point. I love it. But you could have said it with a hundred less words and two less minutes. If you ever feel that way, I welcome all feedback. Bring it on. Bring it on. Now let's move on. I have been tracking diligently all of my times in Evernote. Now I don't say that you need to use Evernote. I use Evernote as a tool. But if you attempt to ever follow my ISO model, you cannot optimize something you have not measured. You can't even stabilize something you haven't measured. How do you know how long your houses and offices are taking? Are you guessing? Are you doing a stopwatch and every once in a while you are recording them? Here's what I do. I record all of them on an Evernote called 2020 Optimization Cycle. I use those words because that's in my optimization part of my ISO course. But in this note, I have my offices on the top half and my houses on the bottom half. I track things at this level of my business as far as what time am I setting my alarm in the morning? I know this is like crazy. Why would he track this? Because I want to get better. I want to be more efficient. How long it takes me to get out of bed. Believe me, it doesn't just take one snoozer sometimes. How long it takes to get ready with my exercise, with my reading my Bible in the morning, getting breakfast or lunch prepared for my work day, to get out the door, to reach my first house. I want to know how long that takes so I'm not late. I want to be respectful of people's time when I tell them I'll be there at a certain time. I want to do that. I want to honor those people. Once I get to the house, I track what time I start and what time I enter the house. There might be a difference there if I'm talking to the client or if I'm disinfecting outside. But once I kind of hit go on started the house, then I will stop the time when I finish the house. And then I'll do the next start time of the next house and so on. And so on a given day, I might have two or three houses and I record how long they're taking. Same thing with my offices. I know how long they're taking. And over time, I expect the times of each office and house to go down. Why? Because I know how to optimize. <laughs> That's why. And if I ever see the times go up, it raises a yellow flag. If it goes up significantly or more often, meaning more than one time, it raises a red flag for possible scope creep, scope creep, ding, 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 watch out, scope creep. What the heck does that mean, Ken? Oh, I am so glad you asked. Do you all know that I have a brand new Solo Cleaning School YouTube channel? Do you know that? Question mark there at the end of my statement. If you don't, the show notes for this episode has the link. Or you can just do a search in YouTube for Solo Cleaning School. Now, there's some really good videos in there. My initial video was a parody with me and my kids of the 10 Dual Commandments from the Hamilton Broadway show. This one's called the 10 Solo Cleaning Commandments. That's a lot of fun. You'd like that. 
I also did an episode on Forrest Gump and my abilities in ping pong, and there's an episode in there called How Do I Deal With Scope Creep? I give a full 10-minute video on what scope creep is and how to identify it and how to fix it, okay? This channel is additional. It's bonus content for free as a companion to this podcast. I'm not charging for that, just like I'm not charging for this podcast. Now, if you want my paid material, that's within my elite membership. But go and check out that YouTube channel. Okay, back to my business update. Here's what happens. Scope creep is this. When the scope of your work increases over time, it causes our cleaning times to increase. The great majority of cleaning companies will not raise the prices. As the scope changes so slowly, they don't notice it. Not me. I recognize the potential scope creep setting in. The yellow flag, ding, 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 red flag, stop, stop, scope creep. When it sets in, I knew I would have to send a difficult email, and it did in my business this week. Now, I don't like having to do this. Matter of fact, I highly dislike it. I won't say hate, but I highly dislike it because there's a risk of losing the client. Before I tell you the email that I sent and the sandwich technique that I used, let me tell you what I was noticing. This is a school environment, not a typical office. And in this school, they have autistic children from elementary all the way through the secondary grades playing on the floors, doing crafts, working in their stations. And I've noticed an increase in crafts on the floor, such as paint splatter, glitter, and there was even some kind of a starch explosion that was all over one of the rooms in the corner. That took extra time to dust, to clean, and to vacuum up. So naturally, it triggered the scope creep alarm because I have noticed glitter and paint on the floor more and more. That takes more time to vacuum. It also gets on my vacuum parts, causing me to have to clean and disinfect them more in between jobs. It's costing me money. Also, they've added a couple small refrigerators and small freezers. I already do all of the kitchen-related items, so those added kitchen items also added time. So my tracking the times week to week, I was able to notice, wait, why did it go up 15 minutes? Why did it go up 20 minutes? And when I really analyzed, ah, it's because of this. So now let me dig into the email and the mindset of what I did here. It's called the sandwich technique. You send praise and gratitude in the opening of the email. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed servicing your company and helping the students prepare for their week. And you do praise and gratitude at the end. Thank you so much for understanding this is a difficult situation, but I know we can resolve it. I really appreciate the opportunity to clean for your school, and I look forward to doing it all through the rest of 2020. Have a great week. That's the sandwich, the bread pieces, the top and bottom slices. What do you put inside? Well, you've got some cheese, you've got some vegetables, and you've got some meat. So let's look at those three pieces and what I did specifically. The meat is the actual offenses. In other words, I laid out the 
scope that had changed with the increased kitchen items and also the glitter, paint, and starch explosion. And I've noticed it's happened more than once and I want to make sure that we can solve this now. The mayonnaise or any kind of the condiments that you might use or possibly the lettuce and tomato, that was me sharing how this affects my company. And here's what I wrote, and I quote, I clean five offices every Saturday right now. I'm in the process of adding more as well. So when one office starts to take me longer, it ends up costing me money. I'm sure you understand, end quote. And finally, the piece of cheese. I saved that for last. Especially if you like spicy stuff, I'll go with pepper jack cheese. This is the possible solutions that I offered. And one option would be for them to take more ownership, have the staff do more end-of-day cleaning. Or the second option was for me to write a new proposal based on the new scope of work with increased prices. And then I hit send. So this email was packaged in the sandwich technique. I saw the response from the company on Monday morning, and it was received very well. In fact, it led to a thread of back-and-forth emails where we collaborated and solved the issues. Now, here's what we walked away with. I am doing a give. I am not going to raise my prices. They are doing a give. Their staff is going to now spend more time at the end of day to clean up the craft projects that the children are doing. If they blow up the starts, they're going to clean that up. They spill glitter or paint drops, they're going to take care of that so that I don't have to do the extra stuff to be able to clean and disinfect their floors. Also, the kitchen items, we agreed that there were not extra large refrigerators or large microwaves. The only thing that were added were a few small refrigerator and freezer units. So here's what we agreed there. I am now going to alternate between the kitchen items. Week one, I'll do half. Week two, I'll do the other half, which gives me the ability to have the work done faster in my original time estimates for which I gave the original proposal quotes for, but it also allows them to have all of their kitchen items cleaned and disinfected on a rotating basis. And the floors, they can expect their floors to be super clean and disinfected because they are now doing the work. I'm very thankful that this was well received and that helps because I didn't lose the client, but I had the guts to do it. All right, let's close out this update with a few interesting mental breakthroughs from my networking group in-person meetings. First, I realized something very important about attending in-person networking groups. Attending develops trust, and trust yields referrals. But it also gives you a broad network of business professionals across so many industries that you know and trust. You get content outside of cleaning that rounds your knowledge out and makes your own content of greater value. It allows you to refer your friends to your clients as well. I've only been in these groups for about 10 months now, but I can refer so many businesses in so many categories. I just got a referral personally for an attorney to do estates from my uncle who's autistic. And I'm going to be meeting with him with my uncle this week, it looks like. 
but that was a referral through the networking group. How did I find an attorney I could trust? Because people that I trust in the meeting trust him. That's how the whole thing works. In-person networking is so vital. I never did it in my first business, and I wish I had because it really is effective. Get out there and do it if you're not, so look leaning school. Secondly, I was talking with my buddy and my insurance agent, Andrew Rumbold of the Fraser Group, about deductibles for general liability, homeowners, and auto insurance. He gave an excellent rule of thumb, and it serves as an update on the podcast I did recently called The Stuff I've Broken. I scratched a coffee table that cost me $2,000. I have a $500 deductible. And in that episode, I said, no brainer. It's four times the deductible. I need to pay this deductible and let the insurance pay the other $1,500. But my comment in that episode was, well, if the damages were $600, it's still worth it. I pay $500 deductible and the insurance pays $100. Uh Uh-uh, not from what Andrew Rumbold told me. He says his rule of thumb for homeowners, as an example, is two times. And here's why. Because any homeowner's claim will raise your rate. And if you have multiple, you'll lose your insurance. So don't file a claim unless you have to. The risk is too high. That can go for auto and certainly can go for a business liability. So I have adjusted that to a two times. So if this happened all over again and that table that I scratched was a $999 table, I would have paid out of pocket. If it was a $1,100 table, I would have put it through insurance because that would be over two times the deductible. And speaking of two times, I think I'm two times as long on this podcast as I meant to be. Remember that concise thing I was telling you about before? Not so today. Have an awesome day, Solo Cleaning School. Thank you for listening to Solo Cleaning School class is dismissed.